0: A lot of that stems from, you know, um, John Eldridge in Wild at Heart calls it the wound, right? Mm-hmm. Something from dad, and and achievement was the only way to catch dad's attention growing up. We were sports kids. He was actually my baseball coach, and so, um, you know, I just knowing that now is, you know, twenty years later, um, you know, twenty five years later, it kind of was like, oh, that makes total sense. Okay.
1: Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. You just, you gotta be watching this one because... Um, you can judge whether or not you think uh, my guest today is a good looking dude, but that's not what I'm really staring at. What I'm really staring at right as we hopped on the call is right behind him. He has a tin top gun sign on his wall. And not that many people know this about me, but I was a huge, huge Top Gun fan. Uh, So much so that uh, we went on a family road trip when I was probably about 11, maybe 10 years old. Uh, We did the Grand Canyon and uh, uh, we went up into Colorado, a bunch of stuff in the motorhome and myself and three of my brothers watched Top Gun. I think it was 11 times in a row on the vhs tape yes there used to be those things in the back of the motorhome and so i went on to watch it many more times i'd still watch it today anyway so that has me hyped it's just top gun that's all i have to think about i wanted to be a fighter pilot for a, for a minute no discipline back then but that would have been a cool job uh all of that aside, I have with me today, Ian Ullman. Uh, As many uh, of my guests, Ian and I met through a mutual connection on LinkedIn. Uh, Ian is a husband. He is a father of four, which is such a daunting task in and of itself. Uh, he lives in the banking world, uh, leads a Bible study that uh, we'll talk about. He says he loosely leads a Bible study. So we're going to talk about what that means. Uh, but for now, Ian, man, thanks so much. Appreciate you coming and way to kick it off with the sign on the wall.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I was (laughs) definitely not part of the plan. Actually, it was, uh, I got a kid who, my 10-year-old is huge in the military, military history stuff. And so this was just one of those pickups that fit within kind of that theme of of stuff that he likes having on the wall. So it worked out well and courtesy of COVID by basement puzzle table, gaming table converted to my office. And so this is now, I guess, my sign kind of. <laughs> that's good, man. And it actually, what's kind of cool too,
1: is it actually looks like probably more of like a real Top Gun sign, like Miramar, California, than it does <laughs> movie Top Gun. So <clears throat> that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: All right. So, um, as I do with so many of my guests, um, what I like to do is dig right in with a question. Uh, and it's the same question or some version or variation of the question I asked to every single one of the guys. So for you, Ian, same question, which is how would you define manhood and or masculinity?
0: Wow. That's weighted in today's world. <laughs> so, oh. um, what I'm, what I'm reminded of, um, as I was kind of catching up on some of your, your recent episodes and and heard that question, it prompted me to think on it a bit. Ooh, you cheated. No, (laughs) I did. I got an inside (laughs) lane. I'm sorry. Um, and I was reminded of my, my group and I, uh, a couple of years ago went through on right now, media, there's a series, a study series called be a God, how to be a godly man. Mm. And, um, in there, it talks about our roles. And and in my Mm -hmm. mind, I looked at it kind of like, like you know like god is three separate characters but still one and so it's kind of like those, these are different roles or characteristics within manhood um and it was you know prophet priest provider protector and defender hmm. and so really that kind of generically speaking um you know a lot of the stuff we I think should be doing for our communities, for our homes, for our churches falls into those various buckets.
1: Okay. That, that, that's awesome. I, I, I obviously I've heard many of those. I mean, the Bible often talks about, you know, even like the character is uh, characters of prophet, priest, and King. I, I, I love those broken out further. So is there one of those maybe, or a couple of those that you gravitate more towards than others, whether that's personality or desire
0: or whatever? Yeah. I mean, the, the provider thing for me, I'm, um, working through being a workaholic, um, yeah. I'm aware step one, I'm aware it's a problem, um, you know, working in the mortgage industry specifically um, from March of 2020 to March to really may of 2021, I did 85 hour weeks without a week off. Um, and you know, my wife's home full time with our boys. And so I, I have somewhat of an unhealthy attachment to achievements mm-hmm. through my employment and I'm aware of that like a lot of, you know, and it fits my skill sets Well, you know, I mean, if I had to pick out of those other brackets, I think it'd probably interestingly be priest, which terrifies me. Um, like I love digging into scriptures. If I get into apologetics, it fires me up. I've actually officiated two weddings and one funeral for friends of mine wow. um, in the last two years. So it seems to work well with me. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, you know what I mean? It wasn't on my list for sure of things to to be doing with my time back in the day but here we are. Yeah.
1: Okay so uh, so it, I I have a lot of interest in uh part uh, in in the particular area of provider and I'm interested to hear some of your feedback here. So uh, when we typically us as dudes uh but then even more so just in general when we when we hear the word provider we're typically thinking of making Financial or practical provision for somebody, right? And and, tr- and traditionally, obviously, in the home as the husband, you know that that's for our family, and that's something that I lived in forever, right? I have to provide for my family. What I noticed over time was was I uh, and, and then so many men that I interact with, I began to distort. That Because I was using, I have to be a provider as an excuse. And I hate to say this because you just came off of saying all these hours. But, you know, I I use that as an excuse to be working 12, 14, 16 hour days in the name of providing for my family. And as I unpacked that over time, one thing that I started to see, and you will see this even in the dictionary definition, um, is it's also just making a provision for time. And so it was almost like I was so heavy weighted in one versus the other. Um, And it took me a long time to to get to some place of balance. And you know, being in my owning my own business, I do have some flexibility there. But do you do you see those two areas, both in that word and, and, and and maybe even because you you alluded to it, you know, why, why do you, why, why have you heavily let, um, leaned into maybe one? And um, so yeah, how, how do you see all that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I mean, I know, just from the work that I've done through, you know, Townsend leadership group, my men's group, a handful of different influences in my life, like, a lot of that stems from, you know, uh John Eldridge in Wild at Heart calls it the wound, right? Mm-hmm. Something from dad and and achievement was the only way to catch dad's attention growing up. We were sports kids. He was actually my baseball coach. And so um, you know, I just knowing that now is, you know, 20 years later, um, you know, 25 years later, it kind of was like, oh, that makes total sense. Okay. And so I actually um, so obviously the real estate industry went nuts with COVID and interest rates and all that. And so as a result of all of that, I had the best year I've ever had in 2020 mm. and the worst year I've ever had in 2020, mm. right. Best year financially, definitely um, production numbers were through the roof. I mean, you know, to close 27 and a half million in residential home loans out of Billings, Montana
1: <laughs> in a year,
0: you know, uh, was crazy and Damn good. Right. But, but there was a cost, right? Mm. Uh, As fast as you could answer the phone was how fast applications were literally coming in. So Mm. to try to, I mean, and you can't just tell people, no, the boss isn't a fan of that, right? Mm. Like, sorry, too busy. And so we just took it and we took it all. And so I did 85 hour weeks for a little over a year and um, had them, some things shift organizationally to where I had, I got approached by another company and their infrastructure was way different, way more supportive. Mm. And so I almost immediately went from 85 hour weeks to 35 hour weeks. Whoa. In May of, of last year. And so really it's been a learning curve of of relearning how to be a provider in the sense of time fulfilling my wife's love tank, uh, quality time with my kids. In fact, I'm I'm a recovering dork who never recovered. So I actually have Rubik's cubes on my desk, like for my downtime, if I need to reset my brain, I'll do a Rubik's cube solve. But next Saturday, me and my four boys are going to be starting up a Dungeons and Dragons campaign Uh, like old school D and D and we're just blocking three or four hours every Saturday. And the beauty part of that is my wife who homeschools our three youngest and has been home full-time for 12, 13 years with kids Wow. She's about to get three hours every Saturday to do mm. whatever she wants. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay, so uh, I, I want to back up. Uh, so when you, um, obviously, you know, you are at the mercy of... Um, particularly at the time this happened, you know, of somebody else that's, you know, that's asking something of you, you can't just tell people no in the work world, at least not responsibly most of the time. Um, And I also do believe that there are times and seasons for everything. And so, you know, it's not that, you know, you committed like the, uh, you know, the worst sin ever by doing what you did. Um, I would never say that. But as that started to happen, so as you were being <clears throat> drawn into uh, this opportunity to, to invest so much more time at work, obviously, it's producing so much fruit so quickly. What were those conversations like early on with your spouse um, as that was happening? I mean, was it kind of preempted or was it very reactive?
0: Like, what, what, what was the dynamic? So it was really reactive. Um, I think it was March 10th was the day that it hit. So, I mean, in typical busy season, you carry 15 to maybe 25 loans at a time in our world, at least at the time I was. And I got 10 new applications in one day. Like, word went out, the market went nuts, mortgage rates dropped to ridiculously low. And all of a sudden, anybody who was paying attention, who had heard the word mortgage, starts calling their banker, starts calling their mortgage guy. And I was a Mm -hmm. lender at a regional bank. So anybody who's a customer of the bank just calls the bank and goes, Hey, I want to talk to the mortgage guy. Sure. Um, And so the phone just didn't stop. And so very quickly, you know, really it took from March until June 8th was when I broke the first time. And that was 2am sitting at this very desk at my laptop in tears because yesterday's pile was so big, you couldn't even try to whittle it. Mm. And you knew tomorrow's pile was going to be even bigger than that. And it was just like, no matter how many hours you put, no matter how many emails you answer, it is not going to move you, you're not going to get ahead of this thing. And, and we we operated like that for a year, like everybody that I know in the industry, you know, Um, but prior to that, even like, in order for my wife to be home full time, you know, there were sacrifices and and things you got to do like we never had we've never had cable TV or streaming or anything until COVID. We finally got Disney plus cause we ran out of tricks with our kids, you know? <laughs> um, but up until then we had no, t- we had, we literally have bunny ears hooked to a 55 inch flat screen. Wow. And, um, for the first really couple of years of our marriage, she quit working. We had our oldest, she quit working. We didn't consult our budget. And so the credit cards started stacking mm-hmm. and we realized that and it was like, okay, wait. And so I went to get in the night job. And so I've done 65 to 85 hours a week for 10, 15 years straight. We've been married 16 years. I probably did that many hours for 10 years of that. And so really this year is the first time I've been back to a 40 ish hour work week since we had kids. Mm. And so it's very much like a learning curve, right? Of Mm -hmm. The bit of free time I was used to having was rest period. That was all Mm. it was. And so now it's like, okay, wait, I need to be actively engaged with her and with our kids. And, you know, we joked our last two kids, like I saw you, right. Cause I, mean, I was <laughs> working a night job in retail. And so during Christmas season, I was doing every bit of, again, 80 hours a week. Jeez. And so what, what was
1: the, you know, I, 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 we, i never know how these conversations are going to go obviously we're kind of like down this rabbit hole but um fascinatingly enough i just got off a call with my mastermind group when we were talking about uh, so much about marriage and men and so it just it's if it, 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 the theme fits so well but so what was the dynamic of your marriage like during that time i mean you're you know not not to pry too deep but you're having sex at least at some point because you're having kids <laughs> right, we got uh, a couple like, kids yeah but um but you know like
0: what what is the dynamic i mean is it literally Literally really just like passing in the night or it, like it, it was well and i'm a night owl and she's mm. not she's typically i'm going to bed at 10 10 30 i'm going to bed at midnight or when i was working retail during christmas season i wasn't even getting home until 12 30 or 1 in the morning because the coals here is across town you know um and so yeah it was very very limited which was brutal you know looking back it's like we should have uh, figured out something different because her Main, her primary love language is quality time. And as Mm. kids have become more of a thing, obviously uh, acts of service has jumped up there Mm. Um, just to take some of it off her plate without her asking is a big piece of Mm. that. Um, She's like, I have four children. I don't need to. I don't want to be nagging you, too. So Mm. I need you to just jump in and do the things that need doing without me having to tell you to do them. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, were there points of like deep contention during that? Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, it was
0: rough. It was really rough. Like, but mm. we're we we are, generically speaking, like every couple, I think we we have seasons of sucking at communication. Yeah, that yep. was one of them. Like, I just didn't have mental, emotional, physical capacity to even have conflict. I was burnt. Mm-hmm. I was busy burning out. Yeah, you know, so it was a really really rough time. Um, you know, getting out of the night job, getting into the mortgage lending business definitely helped because it freed up some time and at least got me down to one thing. Yeah, so I wasn't split between you know, two different jobs and all that, but
1: yeah. Well, I, and, and, you know, I, I want to say, I mean, you know, just from, you know, my perspective to the positive side of this whole thing, obviously there's so much to learn and God clearly had a plan through this and you're here now. Uh But, you know, I, I think that, you know, when, when you guys decided to do that, much like, I mean, my wife and I, it, it, in the similar sense you know it was like okay we've got kids now we want you to stay home financially it didn't really ma- it didn't make sense for us because i was just starting my business especially the second child um but you know you guys you felt like that was the right thing to do uh and and you did that from right heart from you, you know, you being the man and the leader, it was like, look at like, this is valuable for you to be home with the kids. I will go sacrifice more of myself to do that. And I don't think that there is a lot out in the world, particularly, I'm not even going to speak to the ladies, but like for us guys to get guidance in these areas, right? Because out in the world, um, it's, it's just, everybody goes to work to 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 you know and, and this is a generalization overly but you know everybody goes to work to to make as much money as we can to to meet the needs of ourselves our family for our future whatever inside the church generally is you guy, you go to work, you lady, you stay home with the kids and you just live in poverty and figure it all out. And if you have to work seven jobs, um, then that's just what you have to do. And so there, there's just this, you know, just this deep divide. And in the middle, there needs to be so much more wisdom spoken into this area of how we balance and how we make those decisions and when we pull back
0: and when we push in, but it's not really there. Right. Right, and like I said, to to even have the wherewithal to consult the budget before making that move, <laughs> like we literally didn't do the math. We had decided, and both of us agreed before we ever had kids that you know we don't want to you know ship them out to anybody else. Mm-hmm. We'll screw them up plenty fine ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and so, but we just did it. You know, she was seven months pregnant, I think, when she actually quit working because she mm. was um, little. Interesting perspective in the business world As far as like that magical business degree My wife graduated with a business degree with honors Could not get a job in an office That paid more than her Managing Baskin Robbins And decorating cakes And so she's like you know, At the time I think she's making 14-15 bucks an hour And the only job offer she's getting Is to be a receptionist for 9.50 mm-hmm. Granted this was in 08 because we're old But yeah Yeah um, <laughs> I'm I'm towing the line of 40 actually next in a week or so. So oh you my wife is up. still tw- and she's still 28, <laughs> asks. That's good. Well, I mean, I, I I get
1: it. Um, I mean, you know, one of the decisions, uh, one of the reasons we made the decision for my wife to stay home with my oldest daughter, who's now 20, um, was because it was uh and she had a decent job, but it was almost as expensive to put the kid through full-time daycare and pay for that as it was to just do away with the income when we included her driving back and forth and back and forth to work for gas and, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, it just, it it didn't make sense. And so again, like there just wasn't a lot of guidance and wisdom in those areas as to like, What do we do? And you guys, clearly you talked about it. It came from the heart. It was a desire of both of
0: you to do this, but you had no idea what you were stepping into. No, it's very much like, well, we'll do it. And like you said, just figure it out, you know? Um, but if you think about it, that's so working, I've been in total, I've been in the banking slash finance world now 16 years and the last six years in mortgage lending. And I can tell you that, uh, when, I'm going to steal this phrase from a guy who did an online mortgage training with me, like month three in the business, when people financially undress for their mortgage lender. And to be clear, that's what they're doing. When they do a full application, the credit pull, we know more about their actual life than their mother does, you know? And, and when people are, when that happens, what astonished me was we all think everyone else has it figured out, right? Like by default, (laughs) We're like, man, they're making it. Look at their cars, look at their house, their kids' shoes, look at it all, right? Yeah. Uh, Shooting from the hip, I'd say 20% of the credit reports I pull have medical collections on them, one in five. Mm. Um, You know, the number of, you know, 400s, 500s, 600s that you see, um, because again, much like deciding to be a stay-at-home spouse or parent or not, there's no mentorship for finances for the vast majority of Americans. That's right. And so as a result, they, nobody knows, they're like, Oh, you're 18, go get a job and a paycheck and, and then rent and figure it out. And they actually don't know the importance of paying every bill every month. They don't understand Mm -hmm. having a savings account, you know, people who literally, you know, try to buy a home with their 500 bucks in an account and they want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, there's just no mentorship out there for those kinds of things. And then, and part of, so I'm the old guy in my men's group. I'm, there's me, a 35 year old, and then everybody else is under 30 or is, um, yeah, under 30. So a lot of young couples, a lot of, you know, they got toddlers. I mean, we have one, our our youngest is four, I guess. But, you know, a lot of my guys have little ones and two more little ones on the way. Mm. And so I've kind of run that road. To be able to be, you know, that cautionary tale of like, yeah, it's real easy, real quick to look your head up out of the rut and realize I just worked 85 hours a week and I missed one sixth of the time I have left with my oldest Mm. because even working from home, I didn't see him for a year. Right. Um, And so to be able to kind of, and, you know, luckily we have the relational collateral within our group you know, a lot of our guys, we've been running together for three, four years now to where we can say, like, we can lovingly slap each other. be like, Hey, bud, you're effing up. Let's not do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, you know, you bring up such a valuable point. So, um, when we got married, um, we bought a little bit above our means. My mom uh, helped put the down payment on the house, so we could get into this house. That, and we did it because it was in around the neighborhood I grew up grew up in. And it wasn't like because it was lavish; it was just above our means. Anyway, so you know that just set this precedent. I didn't have uh, my dad in my life during that time. My mom absolutely was doing her best, but I mean, my mom worked two and three jobs just for us to get by from the time hmm. I was six until I was eighteen. And so I never really learned how to manage money well. Um, and then on top of all that, because I was the man of the house at six years old and and that continued on, I built up in addition to a lot of accomplishment and achievement and leadership skill and quality, a lot of pride in, in, in self and which was just the end all be all disaster for me. But, um, so even when I started to get into some trouble, I, I, I wouldn't have even told any, you know, I, I wasn't telling anybody right. and at last ditch effort, the only person that I would ever go to was my mom at the final hour. That was like, Hey, if I don't get, you know, if I can't find another $10,000, like we're out. And then, and then, and then, you know, I'd get, you know, I'd get fine. I would get ahead a year later, be right back in that cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a, there was a lot of sinful, sinful behavior, you know, mixed up into that, that I was just, you know, trashing money, but even today, the guys that I run into and, and run around with, like a lot of really good guys, but they're not willing to even open up about that type of stuff today. You know, there's certain things that we don't want to really talk about. And it's like when a married I'm not going to talk about like the intimate side of my relationship with my spouse. So like, if we're not having sex or that, that's not going well, that like, we're not talking about that. Like I'll joke about it, but we're not going to talk about it. Right. And then if I'm screwing up financially, or I'm not where everybody thinks I am, or something's happening, I'm not talking about that either. And like, those are the two biggest areas of our life as men in marriage. And they're they're, they're like off limits. And so we're just a ticking time bomb.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like, let's take the the absolute guaranteed, whatever stressors are usually happening in life, especially in marriage. Let's take the two things that will just, let's just throw gasoline right on that thing. Right. Like those two areas, if they're going sideways, well, absolutely. People say, well, money won't make you happy. Well, I can tell you being broke made me pissed. <laughs> I can assure you of that. So I would rather try the other side too, just in case. Right. Well, then I'm sure that, that, that,
1: that a lot of that uh, money won't make you happy. um, You know, that, that, that that there's some truth to that in in the way that it is abused um, in culture today. But then also, again, that's a, that's a poor narrative that comes out of the church in the sense that like poverty is what makes everybody happy. And so we don't understand the joys and benefits of pursuing financial success and then using that
0: for the good of ourselves, our family and those around us. Right. For sure. I mean, it's um, like, I heard a guy say one time, there's a whole lot of people willing to sing in the choir, but who's buying the music stands, Mm. you know, and, and I mean, really if you Pareto principle it, you know, we just, this, in fact, just this weekend, we had our uh, annual review at our church where the council members were on stage sharing our, Our financial updates, what are our plans moving forward, all those things. I think our church's annual budget was 3.8, let's call it 4 million a year for round numbers. Statistically speaking, 20% of that money comes from 80% of the people who give. And 80% of that money, 3.2 million comes from 20%. You know, if you Pareto principle, it which the 80-20 rule works for like literal everything all the time, it's really ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you look at that, it's like, okay, if we're going to go make a dent beyond ourselves here, the reality of the world we live in is there are some financial things tied to that. Mm. Like, There's other ways to serve. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't cost anything for me you know, a handful of us to come together. Somebody owns a rake or a shovel and we can go serve a community and the neighborhood and that's fine. That's awesome. But when it comes to, you know, other things to fulfill me, it's like I'm spoiled that I accidentally found an awesome church. And so we, I don't know if you've ever been to Billings, Montana or seen Billings, Montana, but it's actually bifurcated by topography. There's a cliff face that runs along the north side of Billings. Uh, and And above that is the Heights. And there's only two roads in. There's one on this end of town, one on that end of town, and so there's about thirty thousand people in the Heights, eighty to a hundred thousand people on the south and west end, and all that. And so, the Heights was trying to pass bond issues for community focused, like a community center, a pool, something for families, and it would never pass because the West End isn't going to vote for something in the Heights where they never go. Mm. And so our pastor was like, "Well, God's really annoying me on this, so I think we're supposed to build a water park." And so outside of our usual stuff, our church raised like two, three million dollars, built a water park and gave it to our city. Whoa. Like that costs money, period. Right. Right. Like and it creates really cool opportunities for people who have no clue about the kingdom to be like, hold on, a church did what? Because they're used to bake sales. They're used to bazaars. They love buying the lefse. And that's fine. Their kids love the cakewalk. Um <laughs> but just it creates opportunities. It's all it does. You know, uh, it creates choice, you know, it's like, well, do you want to have a car payment or no car payment? Well, that finances answer that choice or can help. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, a lot of people like to forget the love of part, right. Money's root of all evil. No, it's the love of it, you know? And, and the wild thing is even like having the best years I've ever had, making more money than I've ever made the last few years. I don't like sit, like I literally could tell you how much is in, an account right now i know we have enough like yeah like we can go shopping and we're good which is a weird feeling still <laughs> yeah because that's pretty new for us yeah yeah no i mean
1: i think that that level of freedom which i i think that you know it comes obviously with the opportunity to earn um and, and gain some you know some sense of wealth but also too, uh, you know back to um you know i, I hope that people heard you say like you know we've had bunny ears on our 55 inch tv up until covid because we just ran out of things to let the kids watch right They like they needed to see and so i think that what's really interesting is is when we um i'm a deep believer in the easiest thing to focus on if we want to uh, if we want to gain more financial freedom, is definitely to earn more money. I, I definitely think that it's far easier to do that than it is just to manage a bunch of budgetary items. But I believe that there's so much wisdom in sacrifice and and having some good awareness of what truly is important to me, what's not important to me, because there's nothing wrong with you know a hundred and fifty dollar a month TV bill between all kinds of streaming services if that's part of what's in. Important to you, and you know it's good for you and your family or whatever. Whereas you guys said, like, look at you know this isn't for us. Like you know while we're you know struggling or where we're managing like kind of this tight budget, this just isn't that important to us. And so I think those are things that people need to
0: hear. Is you know it it can be both, and it doesn't not need to be either or. Right. Well, and I think it's a mixed. I think it's a mixed bag. I'm on finances. I'm very much the same as the way I, I look at the gym, and I look at. I mean, to be fair, I hate the gym. I'm not a gym guy. I don't want to lift metal repeatedly. The only time I've ever come close to succeeding in a gym is when I would get on a treadmill on a Saturday or a Sunday, if there was decent football on and all of a sudden I would accidentally run a marathon. Cause I would just be watching football for three, four hours. And then my wife would text me like, are you okay? Are you coming home? I'm like, Oh shoot. It's like dinner time. I just got <laughs> hung. I was hung up in a game and happened to keep my legs moving while I did. It. So I'm not a gym rat. But when it comes to to health plans, fitness plans, diet plans, whatever you want to call it, absolutely the same as finances, it's whatever works for you. If you told me to succeed health-wise, I need to go into a gym three to four days a week for an hour each time, I will just punch you in the face and say, no, like we're done here. That's not a thing I'm doing. Um, And I think financially, we need to be honest about that and let people know it's okay if the word budget makes you want to vomit. That's Mm. okay like you need to have some comprehension around it you need to get a 101 level understanding of if you don't tell your money where to go it will just go like we have to acknowledge that it's good um, but as it relates to like you said making those financial shifts you know i think it can be a, a two pronged attack because the two the analogy i like is we got a leak in the bottom of the tub we got two choices turn on more water or plug the leak and i think if we do a bit of both it's a net positive result. Plus it it helps instill some disciplines because my concern is if somebody only adds the income, Mm. then they haven't built any financial disciplines in place. And if that income ever drops again, they most likely are spending up to that level. Like the number of good, good, good friends I have in the real estate industry the last two years who have brand new, really nice cars. I'm excited for them and nervous for them because I just know how humans operate. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're we're all seeing what what the what the Fed's about to do, and you're afraid that they're not going to be able to keep making those payments for that much longer.
0: Well, right. I mean, you know, when when there's people projecting in the real estate mortgage industry, what percentage of, of real estate professionals will not be real estate professionals in the next 24 months? Because we're on a limited inventory, and and those you know there's things that are going on where in the overall market between inflation and rates coming up, and those things that it's like you know, this way, the tsunami wave we've been riding, she, she peters out at some point yeah. and at least levels off. <clears throat> yep. no, nope, So true.
1: <clears throat> yeah. You know, on, on kind of the, the topic of balance and stuff. So I, um, you know, I, I, I obviously very familiar with Ramsey and um, you know, I, I love um, when you have no discipline at all, stepping into a program like financial peace university and, 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 I think when you can at least be taught the extreme of strict budgetary requirement and and, and you know f- and clearly thought out planning, I think it's super important. But you're right, it's not for everybody. Just like I can't, like I I personally could never like cut all the carbs or all the sugar or all the all the alcohol right. out of my diet, right? It's not going to happen. And so I finally came across a, a guy, a, a Ramit Sethi. Um, and he wrote a book called, I will teach you to be rich. And <clears throat> it was just a friend that was like, Hey, I think you like what this guy has to say. And I don't like everything he says, but I love that this guy, is. I'm reading his book on finance, and he's a really smart guy in the finance world. Um, he, he was saying like, if you want to buy Starbucks coffee, buy Starbucks coffee. You know, if you, if you want to have a car payment, have a car payment. He goes, you just have to figure out how to make sure that that fits into the money that you're bringing in and the commitments that you have going out. And it was so stupid and simple. And yet it's just something again, that few people don't talk about, right? It's the extreme, uh, you know, is where, is where people are typically crying or screaming, you know, the loudest is like, you must have a budget and every dollar, you must know where every penny, you must know where it goes. and
0: And it's like, we can't live like, not everybody right. can live like that. Right. And some need to, I mean, I think it's a difference right between is this because most people's finances and credit on the bad side, in my mind, like I'm big on analogies, obviously um, is like, are we talking stage one cancer stage four cancer? Oh. Right. So it's like you're, you're Joe Schmuck who just doesn't really understand finances and has a bit of credit card debt and car payment and can't quite figure it out probably doesn't need to go full on legalistic top to bottom checklist. Right now, if you're, if you've lost a car to repo, if you've lost a house to repo, if you're on the brink of those kinds of things, we are absolutely in crisis mode. And yeah, you got to batten down the hatches hard. Right. Um, But it's, it's just, it's an awareness, but again, 90% plus, if I make up a number aren't going to bring that up to their friends or family, unless they have a very trusted, you know, sphere, uh, inner circle of sorts, you know? And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I intentionally joined a men's group and not a couple's Bible study group. All of us are couples, Mm -hmm. but we're only, it's a men's group specifically for that reason. So we can take the armor off and 100% be transparent about the real things we're all dealing with and not have fear of retribution or judgment from you know, so-and-so's spouse. Right. Cause if mm-hmm. I'm struggling with a sin issue as it relates to lust, for example, I'm not about to bring that up in group sure. when my buddy's wife is sitting there or my wife is sitting there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why we, and I very intentionally, you know, ended up joining up with a men's group was for that kind of a setting. Cause I'm not going to bring up my financial drama. And I mean, I can talk about it with my guys, mm-hmm. but like their spouses, or like if my wife is there, I don't know if she'll be embarrassed or freak out or what, you know what I mean? Like, it just creates an environment, you know, where, where that can happen. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So um, I'm glad you brought that topic back up or, or or that context. So you uh, talked about the fact that, you know, you joined this group and now you're leading um, uh, this group. Uh, I don't know if it's the exact same group, but so how are you, um, uh, how are you doing your best to create that sense of Relationship, transparency, accountability, because in case anybody was wondering, just because you're in a church, those things don't (laughs) automatically happen. And as a matter of fact, sometimes they're even worse there. I mean, I served as a pastor for 10 years and Uh, Sometimes it was far harder to drag the honest to God's truth out of people in the church in that context than it was to just go to a stranger on the street and ask him how his day went. So how are you fostering that level of relationship so you can get people, get to the root of people's challenges and struggles, and then hopefully bring them all the way to the place where they are doing the best they can to image God in the way that God's called them to?
0: Yeah. So I think it's, there's a lot to learn societally and individually. I think um, Jesus never led with wrath. He led with compassion. Mm. And so my group is very much about truth. We believe the Bible. we study the Bible. We don't get to make it up on our own. I'm not con- about to go into those waters. Right. Um, but it has to lead from a place of grace. Like my guys, so, so I saw a Ted talk and I forget the guy's name and I wish I could remember. He was a pastor who lost his job because he got caught on his pornography addiction. Mm. And he stayed on at the church as a janitor just to stay working there, which I can't even imagine. And in his Ted talk, he talks about, so no, like we all see the numbers on the stock market about amazon.com, right? Like they do bajillions and bajillions of dollars, but you don't see it other than the stuff on your doorstep. You don't see it. Mm. And when he said, statistically speaking, 71% of American men and 38% of American women struggle at some level with pornography. Well, I got nine guys in my group. Now 10. We just added a guy. 71% of men struggle with pornography. That's math. So a couple of ways we foster that. Number one is lead with grace. As the group leader, if somebody falls, I'm usually the guy getting that coffee, making that call. Uh, The way we know that is brutal accountability, much like any, you know, AA has meetings. It doesn't have solo studies, right? And so like me and my guys are all on the Covenant Eyes app. And so we all have apps on all of our devices that if we go to any inappropriate website, as soon as I hit enter to go to the website, it sends an email to my men's group. Mm. Brutal accountability. That, because it's in, because I think nationally is in a crisis situation, this is stage four cancer, that it needs to be 100%, you know, you need, we need to be all in, we have to be extreme on remedying this, especially because it's so prevalent, you know, I'm, so being the old guy, um, I joke about that, but like, so in the banking biz, um, most of the tellers are kind of college age or a bit older, not all, but some, Hmm. And so after management would leave the bank that I was at a few years ago, I would inevitably go out to get a water or get a coffee or something because I was always staying late. And they would ask me life questions or just chat. It jokingly became known as Bible study. Mm. Because I, again, the priest thing, like I can't help it. I integrate principles from scripture into just everyday life with people. And I don't do it in a way that's like, Oh, and you're going to burn in hell if you don't believe me. Like I just do it in a functional, normal way. Right. And so anyway, I brought up covenant eyes with my, with this group one time because they were joking about something with porn. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's out for me. They were like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? It's out for you. I said, no, no, I have have an app on my phone that I've signed accountability partners that we, that's just, a thing we're holding each other accountable to not doing because it's not honoring to them. It's not honoring to our spouses. And there's this God guy that I say, I follow and I'm really trying to act like it. Mm. And they could not fathom these 20, 21, 22 year olds could not fathom a world where that, like that, that app would even exist. It's so common in their world. You know, they're like, well, I watch it with my girlfriend. I'm like, I, my brain can't even compute that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's so prevalent. So the <laughs> biggest thing, is, and again, I'm, I'm on the app too, right? Like we're all in this together. So we lead with grace. We definitely back it with truth, you know, but we lead with grace and my guys, when, when, when any of us slip and fall on anything, not just that, anything, you know, Hey, how's your giving been going? Well, it's sucking buttermilk. Well, your generosity sucks. That's why you're having, you know, I'm just, this is God's math. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, they're beating themselves up enough. They don't need me judging them. And I ain't about to. I don't want that seat. I don't want that job. I take I it freaks me out enough having officiated two weddings and doing a funeral and leading a, a guy's group. And I, it's very peer-to-peer. I'm not like leading. It's sure. But still, like the was pretty clear about like the stringency and in, in the review, so to speak, of the teachers of the word. Hmm. And so it's like, man, if we're effing this up, right? You know, like. So it it freaks me out, right? Like I try to take it very seriously, very intentionally with fun. Obviously it's a group of guys, right? Yeah, We still have fun, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the, the, the expectation and the standard is transparency, Mm. confidentiality. If you break confidentiality, you're probably out of the group. Mm. Like we have pretty much a zero tolerance policy on that. What, what's discussed in this group, unless it, it's potentially impacting you or somebody else's physical safety. You know, if somebody talks about they are feeling like harming themselves or harming a spouse or something, that's a, that's an exception, yep. um, which has never happened, thank goodness. But um, anything else guys come with, you know, hey, you know, so-and-so at work started talking to me and texting me and I don't know how I feel about it. Hey, uh, you know, this happened. Hey, I, I slipped up here. Hey, here's me and my wife had this fight. That all like that's that is a safe room. It has to be. It absolutely has to be. If that goes, then nothing else matters. Yep. So good, man. Okay.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I love that
0: so much. I could talk about that topic for days. Right. One well, like. On well, and this is just a brain twister. With you being a pastor, you probably thought of this. I'd never thought of this. I love when pastors poke my brain. <laughs> um, so a couple of years ago, one of our pastors was talking about small groups. And talking about the impact of community in this Christian thing we're doing, right? Because I'm going to go do it. No, we're not going to go do it. Not on your mm. own. And he dropped a perspective on me that fried my brain for like a month. And he's like, community matters so much. Number one, only four of the 10 commandments are vertical. The other six are horizontal between us and man. And community matters so, so much god's not even good enough for god so he was he himself is community three entities Whew. i was like man i gotta go do some research i gotta go do some digging like that's good <laughs> yeah um and it is you know i mean you know bear one another's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of christ it's not like christ said to do this it's like you're part of the miracle man mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean there, 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 there's a um There's a reason why there are so many one another. There's a reason why that, you know, as Jesus spoke the Beatitudes, uh, that they were, you know, clear as to what to do for one another, you know, and so yeah, I think it's so important. And I think that, you know, this is one of the reasons why men struggle so much even those that don't think that they struggle, struggle so much is because they have been conditioned in many ways to hold the things most dear to them, the closest Mm -hmm. to them, Uh, whether that's, and again, this goes back to, You know, the 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 scars and wounds. It's you know, I've been hurt by exposing myself before, or this thing hurts so bad to talk about that I'm not gonna expose myself to it again, or you know, I'm I'm ashamed of what people may think now, or and so it's just it's done such a disservice. And what's amazing is is when you start to see men break through this in community, whether it's in church or in a men's mastermind or you know some kind of you know group environment as you start to see the guys that do breakthrough breakthrough you start to see them bear so much fruit uh in in every area of their life you know it just it finally allows them the freedom to be yeah and so that's what i love to see so much for sure for
0: sure one something that i was kind of ruminating through um is with a friend of mine as it relates to kind of, you know, forgiveness or any of those things that just hang in us, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a forgiveness issue, a sin issue we're hiding, whatever those things are. Well, just because we try to ignore them doesn't mean they don't exist. And so as a result, what we're doing is we're, we're spending mental and emotional energy, keeping the lid on that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as a result, we can't give then 100% of ourselves to our work yep. or to our spouse or to our kids because a part of us is occupied with that thing. Yep. You know, um, you know, I worked through, um, I just had lunch this last week with a dear, dear friend of mine who helped me process through a lot of stuff with, with my dad. My dad left when I was 15, mm. you know, and I don't mean left, like moved out. I mean, left like Billings, Montana to Washington, DC mm. left. And I, you know, we're not good at communicating. And then you double down on that with Montana it has this, you know, it's we're modern, we have bathrooms and stuff, but you still have this like pioneer spirit mind a bit. Right. Mm. And like you said, we stifle those things. We don't No, Nobody worry about me. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. You know? And meanwhile, per cap, we're carrying double the suicide rate of the average nationally in Montana. Um, You know, the mental health thing is gargantuanly out of control here. Yep. And But anyway, I was talking with Greg about that, like how much did I miss and how much did my spouse and my kids and the world miss of me for 15 years, Mm -hmm. 20 years, because I was so busy bottling that stuff with energy and, and, and bandwidth that I couldn't be all in on anything you know? So I think that flourishing is probably just a realization of our full selves. It's not even like that we became anything different. It's like, we're still us, yeah. but we're able to give our full selves to things. Yeah, that's
1: good. Yeah. I mean, you know, <clears throat> you obviously alluded to and, and, and spoke to the extreme of, you know, somebody taking their own life. But yeah, and so most men would say, well, that's not me. I'll, I'll never go there. But behind that, is what most guys I know are struggling with, which is they're not sleeping at night they're physically mentally emotionally unhealthy they're quick hmm. to snap at a coworker or an employee or a friend or a spouse or a child they are yeah. constantly frustrated they're always trying to figure out the you know the way that they're going to finally get out and it's just i mean i say you know the language i use is they they're literally in a prison that they have created for themselves yeah. and it, it's going to require more than just them blowing through the wall or trying to strategize their way out of it. Like you need other people to surround yeah. you, to objectively help walk you out of that prison
0: once and for all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the, and the, the flip side of that too, that we see here in the, from therapist friends of mine in the industry, um, you know, everybody's, I never judge anybody who uses a substance even to excess they're numbing a pain and that's the only way they can figure out how Mm -hmm. what's weird in today's world. And Simon Sinek talks about the brain chemistry of this all the time is how many of us, right? Those dopamine hits and it's easy to hide from the world and hide from the actual, the pains, the whatever is because we're just right. We're just chasing the dopamine dragon via technology. One more ding, one more buzz, one more like, you know, comparing ourselves to people with butt implants and highlight reels. like Stop it. (laughs) Just stop it.
1: Yeah. So true, man. Okay. We are landing the plane and, uh, we didn't talk a lot about this, uh, but I would love to just get a a final uh, bit of perspective from you. So uh, I've talked about, uh, your, uh, Deep dive into marriage and all you've learned to this point. And obviously, we know, you know, still so much more to go. Um, Your life as a professional and, and, you know, how you've grown through that, uh, being invested into the church, leading uh, a study. And this is all wrapped up in this idea of you living out this calling as a man uh, that you believe you've been called to. So you have for young men, uh, young boys that you're raising into young men. And so when you think about what you most want to be known for by your kids, by your boys, what would that be? What would you want them to say about you as
0: a father to them? Hmm. I think probably being present, which carries a lot with it, obviously. Um, but being actual present and through my marriage, teaching them how to love well, which we're still, you know, we're only 16 years into our marriage. So we're figuring it out still. Right. I mean, if we're honest, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've, I think we've got some good foundations rolling there. We, we, uh, we openly discuss like five love languages kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you know, in front of our kids, my wife and I talk through some of those things, some of those things we don't talk to them through in front of them, but yeah, it's still part of the conversation, right? It's in, um, and, and we acknowledge when we slip up, in fact, you know, if, if one of us is too short with the kids, for example, and snaps too easy, or if we're we're just having a bad day and that kid happens to be the one who gets it because he happened to cross us at that moment, um, we both have leeway to call the other out on it. Mm. I mean, like, hey, you know, that was really kind of out of line. And I think you need to apologize to him for raising your voice to him. You know, and both of us have. Yeah. I'm usually more guilty. <laughs> um, Not as much this last seven months, though. I've been a much better human. Yeah. I was, you know, this time 2021, I was not a pleasant person. Oh. Um, You know, so, but again, it's just commitment to the process. I still meet with my guys every Tuesday night. Um Still, you know, still going to church, still being fed. Um, yep. There's a number of weeks or months that outside of Tuesday nights, my Bible may not have opened. <laughs> you know, we all have eras, right? Um, yep. And this is just a, a freebie last little tidbit maybe, but those times that we feel most compelled to withdraw and hide are the times we most need to open up and lean in, I would say, from my experience and my experience with my guys. That's good, man. But well,
1: I mean, Ian, I think that, you know, one of the things that I uh, loved you say, <clears throat> loved hearing you talk about was just this desire to extend grace as people were walking through the life that they were. And, uh, you know, particularly obviously in the context of that men's group, but I just, I think it's something that's so important to take away for, you know, f- for today, for people as we're interacting as we're setting expectations you know for the communities that we're in it's like hey i want to be told the brutal truth i just want you to handle me with grace and i think it's okay to ask that as a man you know right like i'm judging me
0: enough but if you can help me point it out great like (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so i just appreciate that. I, you know, I I loved, you know, even, you know, into the inner workings to some degree of the finance discussion, which obviously we could have gone so much deeper into that. I think that there's just so much there that can be done and should be done in the discussion around how we grow as men. Love that. Uh, And even all the way back to the beginning, and you just talking about, you know, your perspective on manhood in general, and it's clear in the way that you're growing as a husband, you're growing as a father, you're growing as a leader in the church, but just in the community in general. So I appreciate that. Thanks, man, so much. It's just, it's been a great conversation and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's been a blast. Thanks.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have any questions for Ian, you can hit his contact information. They will be in the show notes as they always are. Uh, If you have any questions for me, comments, feedback, complaints, whatever, you know where to find me. I'm always here till next time, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.